Hello, all you reinventors. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I am the founder of CoveyClub.com and of this podcast. And I'm so glad you're here learning about reinvention because, look, we are all forced to reinvent ourselves or want to reinvent ourselves at some point in our lives. It is a wonderful opportunity to become the person you've always wanted to be or to try out something new and find excitement and enjoyment and that sort of zing in your life and it, and you're you know dying to wake up in the morning because you're on a new path and it can happen you just have to figure out how to get there and for each of us it's different and each of us take our own path there and that's why I'm so happy to bring to you today Anissa Buckley and she is one of those people who had the year from hell and reinvented her life after that. I'll just say that and I will just give you a little bit of her history um, and then she will tell you all about what she did. Anissa is a Fortune 500 marketer turned entrepreneur turned global adventurer. She shares her lessons on transitioning from first-class business traveler and White House consultant to living in an RV with no water or electricity, culminating in steps you can take to determine new paths forward and achieve new goals in midlife and beyond. So without any other information, I want you to listen to the wonderful Anissa Buckley and be inspired. Here she is. So Anissa, thank you so much for joining. I'm so happy to meet you. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So let's talk about your personal of reinvention and how you got to transform six, but you started out in fortune 500 and as a marketer. I did. Yeah. I started off, um, with Procter and Gamble. I spent about oh, five years there. Yep. P&G. We know P&G. Well. I know. I know. Um, yeah. Tide, Crest, Scope, all those fun products. And, um, yeah, after, after that, I went back to business school and then I spent a number of years also with large companies, Sprint, Reebok, Xerox, um, in, in varying roles, um, some in sales, some in marketing, so, uh, yeah, I guess I'll kind of go forward with the reinvention piece here. So, um, so within that, I sort of, you know, learned a lot as you do as, in a marketing position where you're so, sort of responsible for your own little company, which is a brand. Right. Um, I came out of that and I, I actually started my first company at about 37 years old, which was a nutrition database that scored all the products in the grocery store for varying claims like gluten-free, good source of fiber. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. What was it called? Um, it is still called Healthy Isles. It's the name of the database. And it's it's kind of a business to business um, company. So I, I sold it to the largest shelf tag printer in the country called Vestcom. Um, took a three year buyout and stayed for eight. <laughs> oh, Loved my. my job. I was meeting with large um, grocery and drug retailers helping to put health and wellness strategies in place. Um, and even had the good fortune to be invited to the White House and, and had a chance to meet with Sam Cass, who was the Obama's personal chef at the time. Um, and he was working with uh, Mrs. Obama on the Let's Move program, if you remember oh, yes. that term. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We worked closely with her on that. Yep. 
Oh, wow. Very interesting. We probably have more overlap than we think, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, long story short, I'll move this forward because it, it could go on for years. You know, our lives as we get older, right? We have so many stories behind. But um, long story short, 2014 was sort of a personal apocalypse for me. Um, both of my parents died. Uh, I went through a divorce and oh I my. a second company. Yeah, it's crazy. So that all happened within eight months. And I sort of took the lead on that to completely transform my life because coming out of that year, I really felt like I had lost my identity. You know, um, if you think about it, I parents or because of the job or was it because of everything or I think everything, I think going from being a daughter and a wife and a business owner to like nothing, (laughs) it's sort of like, well, who am I, you know, what do I stand for? Um, and so I, I totally changed my life and an opportunity sort of presented itself. And you do wonder sometimes about, you know, whatever you believe in God, the higher force, whatever it is, like there's things that happen at certain times in your life, Mm -hmm. um, that sort of trigger those changes, right. That are very epic. And this one for me was, was the life change. And I took off, um, like I said, completely changed my life. I met a former British pro cyclist who had grown up completely the opposite of me. He was orphaned at birth. Um, He had to pull himself up by the bootstraps his entire life. Um, Whereas I, and I am not, I was not privileged or pampered, but I did end up going to Cornell. I have a couple of degrees from there. You know, I, I worked very, very hard, but you know, he had different um, opportunities presented to him. And so you know, we really were like, um, you know, oil and water, really. Um, and I didn't realize it at the time, but he was a minimalist. And so I went from, as you, as we all know, here in the US, if you're, you know, in business, you may be flying around, you get upgraded a lot, just because you have a lot of time on planes, you are, you know, a, a Marriott premium member, whatever, you end up, you um, you know, just having things as expected, right? So you show up, the Wi-Fi's there, the rental car's ready to go. Um, they're like, okay, Miss Buckley, we're, we're you know, we're going to take care of you. Well, this was the opposite life. <laughs> so what happened is he and I um, took on travel together for the next four years in a very minimalist fashion. So we didn't rent cars. We put everything in our backpacks and lived that way. Um, and then we took on these adventures like biking the coast of Africa, um, or extreme altitude summiting, El Misti in Peru, or Kilimanjaro going up what they call the Umbui route, which is the most vertical and the, and the most challenging. Um, and we actually petitioned the government in that case not to, um, to actually have a porter, but to carry our own stuff. And to do that, this is a little side note, but to do that, um, you actually have to take enough to, to actually help um, cover the guides. So for example, you have to take all your water, your fuel for cooking, obviously your bedding, tents, all of that. And there's a limit if you don't take a porter to what a guide can carry in Africa. And so, of course, that you know the the government is set up to allow for revenue for um, the great you know the greatest amount of revenue for for the government. And so they want the porters to actually be employed, and and we do too. But we were kind of looking for this experience where we were pushing ourselves hard, and we got it <laughs> because. We ended, I ended up carrying 40 pounds up the mountain and uh, the the gentleman who was with me carried 75 pounds because we had to carry any excess over 
a certain amount that the guides were allowed to carry. So that was, that was just crazy. But we did a lot of those types of things. I did Iron Manning. I did the Two Oceans Ultra over in uh, South Africa. I mean, I could go on, but it was four years of really challenging myself. And what came out of that was at 50 years old, um, I was in the extreme best shape of my life. And it wasn't anything that I was ever even aware that I could do, you know? Um, so I'll kind of stop there. That was that was sort of my my learning, you know, all the lessons that kind of come out of that. And then um, from there, it was sort of coming home back to the U.S., and really trying to understand physiologically what happens as we age, um, why I felt the way that I did. And, you know, I was of course talking to some of my girlfriends and they weren't feeling the same way. They were feeling like, you know, they'd lost their strength, their body confidence was lower. Um, and they were trying to figure out like, you know, how can I feel better as I get older? And so that is what was the impetus for um, what we're doing now with our rural midlife program. So tell me a little bit about how you supported yourself during that transformation. Had you put away a lot of money or you had a lot of money from selling a business or how did you support yourself for four years while you traveled? That's a great question. Um, it's, it's a little bit of both. Um, I had sold two companies and I had worked really hard for 30 years or however many, something like that. Um, so yes, I had, I definitely had some savings, uh, and then remember both of my parents passed away. Um, and that's not a good thing, but it did give me a little bit of a cushion. Um, the other thing though, is I actually did consulting from the road. And so, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's, it was more of a mental thing at that time. Um, I had been pretty much a workaholic most of my life and the transition from that to, really kind of pro athlete, I would almost call it, because that's what I feel like I lived the life of for a period of time. Um, but going from one to the other is challenging once you've, you know, sort of you've been that business person for so many years. And so um, I was very fortunate, the company that I had left a couple of years before, Vestcom, the one who acquired my first company, actually let me come back and do some consulting for them. So I was doing that from places like the Canary Islands or um, you know, Nepal or whatever. So I did that. Um, so you would just pull in and schedule a meeting from <laughs> wherever you were and hope the Wi-Fi was good enough. I know it, it sounds crazy, but the answer is yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I mean, in, in all honesty, a lot of what I was doing, um, was remote work, like meaning I, I could do it on my own and then report back. So when I connected in, I would send out files to them or presentations or things that I've been working on. So it wasn't like every day I had to have, you know, eight meetings a day, like, you know, in the old business world where we do that. Um, so I did have some flexibility there, um, but you're right. I still had to be accountable and I still had to find um, service, which at times you can't do if you're, you know, 19,000 feet up in the mountains. So so yeah. tell me a little bit. So you were not a sports person or an active person growing up. You were not somebody who played a lot of sports. And then this was just a, you just decided to get out of your head and into your body. Was that the, the thinking? Um, probably not a hundred percent fair to say that. So I did play sports in high school. Um, and I did, I was a bit of a runner, you know, so I would go out for a couple of miles here and there. Um, but nothing, 
nothing like biking 80 miles one day, you know, running 11 miles the next, um, swimming that evening. I mean, it, to get ready for an Ironman, which is, uh, I don't know how much, how familiar you are with it, but it's, a, it's about a 12 hour race to do it fairly well. Um, which is a long time, right? Um, so getting ready to do it's, it's, it's a two and a half mile swim, about a 112 mile bike ride. Um, and, uh, and a, and a marathon 26 mile run after that. So it's, it's pretty grueling. And I, it's insane. And from my point of view, <laughs> I'm just a gym rat. I, and, I hear uh, you. I, yeah. it was I, for me, I never would have ever expected that, um, coming out of, you know, my, my work world. So that was a big transition for sure. So then talk a little bit about when you got back and you were talking to your friends about midlife and they were not feeling good about it. Yeah. What was your thinking and what did you create? Yeah. Thank you. Um, I, I've always been a bit of a science geek at heart, even though I didn't really study it. Um, so kind of going back to, you know, that nutrition database, um, you know, that was just me scouring the FDA claims and the algorithms behind it and trying to figure out like how to make that thing work. I'm not a registered dietitian. I eventually did hire them, but, you know, I kind of started that on my own because I was curious about it. And so the same thing happened here um, where kind of, uh, you know, having that, that life stage hit you where you're, you're realizing that hormones are declining and obviously you're aging. Um, for me, I came home and I just started delving into some of that and trying to understand like, hey, when I lose estrogen, what's really happening? And what I started learning was there was so much we can do just with basic lifestyle. Um, and nobody was talking about it at the time, which was back 2018, 2019. Um, so I um, I started pulling that all together and you know started almost like testing it on myself. So one one thing, for example, is estrogen is really a facilitator of carbohydrate use. And so when we lose estrogen, we can't process carbs the same way. Most women don't know that they have no idea. And so we keep eating the same way that we've been eating for 45 or 50 years, and it's not working the same. And we're finding ourselves with this like little muffin top and trying to figure out like, why is this happening to me? And so much of it comes down to just small tweaks to our diet, sort of having a little bit, having more calories earlier in the day, having carbs earlier in the day, evenly dosing our protein throughout the day. There's a, there's a number of reasons for all this. And I know it sounds very, you know, scientific and, you know, robotic almost, but you know, that's what we're all looking for is like, how can I feel like I have better energy? I'm maintaining my strength. Um, and, and really this comes down to two things. I, I talk about the word, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little off topic, but I'll come back. <laughs> um, you know, I, I talk about body confidence and what I mean by body confidence as we age or come through menopause is it's not just about looking better, right? I mean, vanity is a part of it, but it's really about our health. It's really about mobility, strength, um, energy, you know, independence as we age, to me, those are the critical pieces here of what can you do in these next 30 years of life and, you know, how are you going to feel doing it? So, um, so coming back, so I delved into the nutrition, the fitness supplementation, all of this with science behind it. Um, and we've created an app and a program. So right now um, we have a six week program where we have cohorts really, or groups of women that we meet weekly 
um, we really start with the education of, you know, why, why does, why does this change in my body and what do I need to do? And then the app is really a tool so that you can track in real time, kind of where you are today. Like, okay, how many carbs am I consuming? When am I consuming them in the day? And the app sort of gently nudges you toward having 70% of calories before dinner, if you can, um, and all those types of things. And then we've got sample meal plans and recipes and all that kind of stuff that goes with it. But it's all about um, just sort of taking small steps there. And then we're now partnering with other companies to um, bring the other piece of it in, which is, um, you know, medications, frankly, that can help if you're stuck. Because as you're probably aware, the Ozempic craze is, you know, is out there loud and clear with semaglutide, which is the peptide that actually helps to stimulate weight loss. Um, and there's there's definitely women, um, as you think about what I talked about earlier, as you lose estrogen, there's women that are on the just the cusp of diabetes. And partially because of um, this change in estrogen uh, facilitation of carb, carb use. So that said, sometimes it's, it's a good jumpstart, I like to call it, to have a little medicinal help and then work with us as you're going through that to tweak your diet and then fitness as well. Fitness is an interesting thing because most people think, oh, I, you know, what, what I'm doing is not working, so I'm going to have to do it longer wrong answer. <laughs> um, it's not about endurance when you age, it's about getting your heart rate up. So high intensity things that, that kick into gear. So I, I've said a lot, but I'll, um, I'll kind of stop talking for a second. <laughs> Sorry. So, so what kind of dietary changes are you making? Are you, are you talking about sugar? Are you talking about, um, hormones? Are mm -hmm. you talking about, are you into any of that? that stuff for, for change of life as time goes on. I mean, the more and more that I've been studying this, I mean, I have to say I've taken a heavy detour into sugar and its problems, especially as yeah. we age. Yeah. So, so you're absolutely right. Um, when I talk about carbohydrates, sugar is a big piece of that. So we really, um, subscribe to the 40, 30, 30, um, algorithm, which means 40% of your calories are coming from carbohydrates, 30% from protein and 30% from fat. And the big shift there is honestly the shift between carbs and protein for most women. So today the average woman is consuming about 16% of her calories from protein. Yeah. And I, know I was, all, yeah. I was off protein too, because I thought oh. it was bad for me. Yep. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so interesting, isn't it? Um, yeah. A lot yeah, of mis mistakes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And protein's a big one because it's not just about, um, it, well, it's about two things. Muscle, first of all, muscle loss happens faster as we age and we build it slower. So you always want to have those amino acids, which are the building blocks of protein in your bloodstream so that you can maintain the muscle you have. Well, why is that important? We certainly have talked about maintaining strength and mobility. That's one thing. But the other big piece here is metabolism. So the more muscle you have on your body, right. the, yeah. So, I mean, so that's the thing. I, I think a lot of women think, well, I don't want to get big and bulky. I don't want to have more weight. Like, don't worry about what the scale says. Worry about your body composition, right? Worry right. about having, yeah. So you're, you and I are on the same page. Absolutely. And so do you pull sugar out of their diets or cause you're still putting carbs in there? Are you taking them off refined food yeah, or? Yeah, for sure. We're, we're all about, 
you know, it's, it's about getting whole foods always. I mean, that's the thing these days I think is making sure that, um, if you're getting carbs, which we want you to have carbs, because frankly, as you age, if your body has too few carbs, it puts it in stress mode, which can tend to up your cortisol, which is already increased, right. From loss of estrogen. So when that happens, um, that triggers that belly fat that you don't want. So you want to be careful about limiting carbs too low and you want the carbs that you're getting, you do want from vegetables, fruits. Um, yeah, some whole grains. I mean, you have to be careful. I'd front load those in your day. Um, meaning have them for lunch or breakfast. And then I would also um, think about having them in and around exercise. So if you're going out for you know exercise, have something right before or right after because your metabolism will burn through that faster. What's your feeling about intermittent fasting and all of that? Yeah, so we really, um, we don't actually uh, necessarily push the concept of intermittent fasting, but we do actually sort of subscribe to it within our program. Um, so when I say that, what I mean is we really, um, we, we, uh, endorse the idea of really cutting calories at about six o'clock at night. And then most women, again, are not really picking back up again on eating until six, seven, eight o'clock the next morning. And so you're definitely getting into the 12 to 14 hour window there with no food and giving your body that chance to, to draw on its fat sources. Um, so that said, um, I, I think we always want to be a little bit careful about stressing our bodies too much. As we were talked about before, um, cortisol levels are already elevated. And so you just, it's sort of a balancing act. And I think everybody does have to figure out what works best for them. Yeah. Um, the research is a little bit sketchy about the long-term sort of effects of intermittent. I know, make yeah. me cry. The Chinese study. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. the internet, you know, what's so funny is I find that certain things work for you and you have to ignore the research if it works for you. The Chinese study, unfortunately, was a long-term study of thousands of people and found that over time, they said, I don't believe them because it works for me, <laughs> that intermittent fasting does not work for weight loss. I just, I was crushed. Were you crushed? Well, you know, I think you're absolutely right, which is if it's working for you, don't worry too much about the right. research because all, right. everybody's DNA is different. And that's I think, what I you know, think. Yeah. We're going to be moving to that, that position, I think in medicine soon, um, where everything becomes personalized and that's really what it's about. But, but, but generally, you know, there's that whole general sort of research out there, that pool that we do have to pay attention to, I think. Right. And so it's just, again, being cautious, um, not going to extremes as best we can. Um, so I'd be curious, like what, um, what intermittent fasting scheme, I'll call it, are you on? What, what I do the, I do the 15 to 16 hour fast and mm -hmm. I find it just changes everything. I find I sleep better. Mm -hmm. I find I it's, I cannot be on a diet. I've never had to worry about my weight. And so if you tell me I can't have something, I'm miserable. I'm just not, I'm going to, I'm going to see it everywhere and I have to have it. So it doesn't work for me. Yeah. What does, what does work for me is lifestyle change. And I think that's, that's part of it is you have to find, you know, some people removing something, maybe that that's okay. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's different. Their mental scape is different. Um, and yeah. their, I think their body function is different. And for me, yeah. as soon as I go off the 15 hour fast, weight just piles on. It's very bizarre. Interesting. Well, and so can I, if, if I can ask, sure. are you, um, are you doing the fasting piece of it later in the day? 
I do. I try to finish eating by six o'clock. I'm a yeah. blue hair. I'm a total blue hair. <laughs> but that's I'm, great because that's, I, I hate to say it. Here we go again, but there's another research study that really, really supports that. There were two groups of women uh, or not just women. I'm sorry. It was, it was both genders, but basically one consumed calories between seven and three and the other consumed calories between noon and 8 PM and the seven to three lost 50% more weight. In, oh, that's it, interesting. I didn't see that one. That one just came out at the beginning of this year, I think it was, or late last year. Um, but it completely endorses everything that we're talking about, which is the thing is you're not moving your body at night, right? So anything Correct. that you eat, as crazy as it sounds, because it feels like if you have a calorie, you have a calorie and you know, it doesn't matter when you eat it, but that's not what it's now. That's telling not me. true. Yeah. Right. So we've um, learned yep. that's not true. And and the whole calorie in calorie out is not true. And one calorie in lettuce is not the same as one calorie in butter. Boy, they really got so much wrong. It just, it's mind blowing. So as we pull into the end here, can you talk a little bit about if somebody is trying to, they're going through what you went through. And I have many, many people who are listening here who are going through the year from hell. And I have interviewed people who've gone through years from hell, where literally very similar to you, people in their family or their close friends pass away, they lose a job. I mean, just, it is, I do not understand how this happens to good people. It doesn't make any sense, but I hear it a lot. How do they, you know, how do they end up doing what you do? You've turned it around, you've made it a positive, you're sharing it with other people. What do they do? Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, there's no easy course forward. I hate to say that, but the reality is you've got to be perseverant. You have to persevere, right? So it starts to, to me, it starts with visions and values, which is that idea of looking out a couple of years and knowing where you want to get to, because if you don't have, you know, that golden sort of ticket or nugget out there it's really hard to push yourself to keep going every day and moving forward toward something else. So I think first of all, having that vision. And for me, it it was that it was like, I know I want to be more physical and, you know, I didn't know I wanted to summit certain mountains with 40 pounds on my back. I didn't know I wanted to do an Ironman, but I knew I wanted to feel better about my body. So for me, that was the goal. And then the sort of the next step after you've got that vision is how far off base are you right now? Like what are the big chunks that need to change? Is it financial? Is it physical? Is it spiritual? You know, there's a number of things in that we call it the wheel of health, right? Those, those, those buckets that you need to look at and try to figure out like, where am I right now struggling the most that is going to impact this long-term goal And then it gets very tactical. It's the plan of, okay, um, what are the next steps that I need to take to start moving toward that goal? And I know, I know that's kind of really high level, so that's not getting into the specifics, but without knowing kind of what that specific goal is, it's kind of hard to do that. Um, But the last thing I would say coming out of that is also find somebody who's doing what you want to do and figure out how you can get a mentorship or get some time with that person, or even, you know, like you guys do hire a reinvention specialist that can help you put that plan in place and start moving in that direction because, um, it, it isn't going to happen on its own. Right. Um, 
you know, I, I do believe in like, you know, the divine interventions and things like that, but you've still got to do the hard work to keep your vision in front and center for you. So it's motivational um, and keep on moving on that plan forward and believing it's going to happen. Those are the, those are the big rocks. And then, you know, like I said, having a support person, or obviously I'm always a big fan of the support groups. Like the, I call them the Moai, which is that Japanese term for lifelong friend. Um, having your Moais that can help you get there. And so I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's kind of what, what worked for me. What's so interesting is that is, that is what Covey is. I guess we could call ourselves the Moai. That is what we are, is we are your accountability group and we are your, your group of women who are going through the same thing, who help you across that chasm. Mm -hmm. And you have to decide how you're going to get there. Um, what we say is we hold a space for you while you figure out what's next. Yeah. And each person, it's going to be different. And that is kind of, we have found that doing it together is way easier than doing it alone. Doing it alone is way too hard and you need that support and you need the people you can call on and the people you can come back to and say, you know, I'm just freaked out this week. I'm feeling overwhelmed. It's not going right. What do I do? And, yeah. um, yeah. that's that I totally believe in what you're talking about. I think that's, that's absolutely it. Yeah. I mean, without, I mean, I've got different, I talk about the Moais, but you know, um, one is from my college group of girlfriends. One is the iron women group that I've, you know, biked with a million years. One is the hiking group, you know, one is a business school cohort. It, you know, you have, you have your different, um, friends and support teams for different things, yes. but you have to have them, right? Yes. You, you can't do them. it alone. Yeah. Yes. So wonderful, Anissa. Thank you so much for your time. Where can people find you and where can they find Transform 6? Yeah. So um, our website right now, it's going to be changed. I hate to say that to rule midlife, but right now it is um, be-untethered.com. That's the best place to find us. Um, of course, we're on Instagram, Facebook, uh, and and TikTok under Bun Tethered. It looks like Bun Tethered. There's no hyphen. <laughs> I know it's crazy. They don't. Bun tethered. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of what I look like when I go hiking, right? There, I've got you, the, there you go. I've got the bun. bun yeah. Good. So, okay. Yep. That's where you find us. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. It was fantastic. Thank you all for joining us on the podcast. I hope that was, this was helpful to you and I hope that you will pick up some tips and tricks that will help you move forward, that you will be inspired by what you heard from Anissa and it will do a click for you in your head or your body that will make you say, yes, that's what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to do it. That's my path or it's similar. And I hope that you will move forward because that's our whole goal here. And if you enjoy the podcast, please give us a, a review and some stars on Apple Podcasts. That's where everybody sees it. And that's how we rise so that people can find us and other reinventors can find us as well. And if you're very serious about your reinventing, mosey on over to coveyclub.com where we have just, I mean, deep, deep, deep content for you. It's free. 
you can dig in there, put the word reinvention into the little spyglass in the search area. You will find essays, you'll find how to's, you will find hundreds of articles written by the best uh, writers in the world. I come out of magazines, so of course, um, about how to reinvent yourself and how to get there. And if you're getting serious about it and would like to have the Sherpa to help you up that mountain, because it's not, not simple, um, join the club and you will meet incredible women who will have your back, who will help carry your bags, who will be there for you when it gets tough. Um, we all know that reinvention is exciting and it's amazing, but it's also not something you should do alone. It, you really need to have that, those groups and uh, it's very, very important to be supported as you go through it. So join us there and I hope to see you again on the next episode of Reinvent Yourself with Leslie Jane Seymour. Take care.